Dancepreneuring Studio, Session 53, Connecting the Mind, Body, and Soul Through Dance. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. My name is Annette Bone, and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. Every other week, I get the privilege of bringing you some of the best and creative minds who are connected to the art of dance, and they share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. I'm back in Manhattan Beach today, and I just love the energy and the inspiration that this place gives me. I know I've talked about it quite a bit. It's so nice to go to places that inspire you and that you feel comfortable and just fuel your creativity. And that's what Manhattan Beach is for me these days. There's other places that are like this too, but I just happen to be here recording now. So I'm happy to be here. And I just saw some cute little dogs. There's actually, I saw a whole bunch of cute little dogs walking all over the place. And uh, my son loves dogs and he keeps asking me for a dog. We just can't get one just yet. But Oh my goodness, I just love seeing dogs everywhere walking around and just playing and stuff. So anyway, on to the podcast. (laughs) Coming up in our Step to Success segment, Let It Go So It Can Flow. Coming up in our Dancer's Dialect segment, Remember the Time. In our Freestyle Flow segment, Dance and Autism. And in our feature presentation, I love these conversations connecting the mind, body, and soul through dance, my interview with Ricky Alvarez, the artistic director of the House of Royals. Thanks again for joining me. Hey, this is Ricky Alvarez, artistic director of the House of Royals, and you're listening to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio with Annette Bone. It's profitable to be skillful and wise. Welcome to this week's Step to Success. A step to your success is anything that moves your life and your business forward. Whether it's an app, a book, or an idea, you can apply something today that will help you succeed. More often than not, when I am in content creation mode, whether it's for a business project or dance project, I have to let it go so it can flow. And what I mean by that is that after focused, concentrated effort, I need to let it go for a time period, come back to it, and then I have some new ideas and applications. I used to feel like I couldn't take breaks, and sometimes I still feel that way, but I'm finding this approach of letting it go for a while is much more effective. I've linked a great article in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 053 from Scientific American that talks about mental downtime. So I encourage you to check that out. And if you're not taking regular breaks between your projects, I highly recommend that you do so that your creativity and your productivity can continue to flourish. And now, Life and Business Connect with the Dancer's Dialect. The dancer's dialect is the dancer's language. I share dance terminology and concepts across different genres so you can see the correlations in your life and in your business. Kickball change was one of the first technical steps that I learned when I first started taking jazz class when I was 14 years old living on Guam. I remember being so excited and proud (laughs) to learn a technical step. I used to go around my house just doing kickball changes over and over and over again. 
And that was pretty much the thing when I first started dancing. I would learn something and then I'd go home and just keep trying and working on it over and over again, whether it was good or not. And I've linked a video in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 053 so you can see how simple a kickball change is. As I was thinking about this experience, it reminded me about the excitement of learning something new. And I get this way a lot now as I'm working on different things in dancing and then also with my conditioning and also with hot yoga. So relish the process and the experience of learning new things, whether they're simple or complex. And now anything goes with Freestyle Flow. What's on your mind today, Annette? I am so happy the timing for the release of this interview worked out because the House of Royals, which is the dance company of my featured guest interview coming up with Ricky Alvarez, will be a part of a production from Halo Dance for Autism. And it's coming up this weekend in Southern California on Saturday, January 23rd, 2016. This organization utilizes the art of dance to promote awareness, knowledge, and funding for professional support to families affected by autism. I've linked their site on the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 053. And if you are in the Southern California area, it's in Orange County. The shows are at 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. and the tickets start at $20. If you can't attend, check out their site as they take donations. And again, this wonderful art of dance is used to give to a worthy cause. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. I know I say this all the time, but I'm constantly amazed at the dancers and choreographers, entrepreneurial people that I come across in doing this podcast. And I'm so excited to bring you my next guest. Ricky Alvarez is a dancer, a teacher, and a choreographer who has worked in numerous commercials, TV, film, concert, and Broadway performances. He is the founder and artistic director of the House of Royals, which is a company that bridges the gap between dance, cinema, fashion, and charity. The House of Royals provides extensive pre-professional and professional training to children from ages 4 to 18, as well as adults, in addition to offering artist development and college acceptance preparation. So they have a very well-rounded program. And I'm so excited to get into these questions. Ricky, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I'm so excited again, as I've said, to have you and excited to get to pick your brain and, you know, hear what how your journey has been starting your business and working with all these different people and just your creative journey of choreographing and dancing and all that stuff. You have said that teaching dance is not only a passion of yours, but it's the entire process of learning. We all learn from each other, no matter what age or what level. And it's your goal to teach that dance comes from within and that there's that connection between mind, body and soul to reach someone with the art of dance. Can you explain further and give us some examples on how you apply this philosophy? Definitely. Um, I I guess I would say uh, it really stems from watching people and that you really can learn from anybody, whether you're a beginner, an intermediate level dancer, advanced, professional, um, even a child just, you know, moving across the floor, you 
your job is to be um, a visual sponge and just take up and soak up as much as you can in the learning process. Um, so that's basically where the first part of that stems from. I remember being, uh, you know, a young dancer and sitting in the audience and just watching because I wasn't getting um, fed the dance knowledge that um, was out there. I, you know, grew up in a really small neighborhood in uh, Diamond Bar, California, and we had one studio and it was one teacher that taught all the subjects. So ballet, tap, hip hop, jazz, lyrical, one teacher where, you know, in Los Angeles at the edge, um, you have all these teachers teaching all these different classes. So I would sit there in competition and watch, um, the other groups and just pick up choreography, pick up moves that I didn't know and just watch and absorb. Um, the connection between mind, body, and soul really comes from the thought process of dance. Um, I watched an interview with Liza Minnelli and she was talking about how, um, the late Luigi would, um, teach her that dance is acting. It comes from the mind, which is true because you have to see, uh, the choreography, you have to see the steps, you have to visualize what you're learning before you even step into the process. Obviously body comes from, you know, your technical training, how you engage your core, how you engage your turnout, uh, the movement, and then the soul, it really comes from what you're putting behind the steps behind the intent. So for example, yesterday I taught a class to, um, intermediate juniors who are about the ages of, let's say, 8 and 13. And I had to explain to them in detail the story of what they were doing. You know, you're in a rainforest, it's rainy, you're not cold, it's kind of sticky. And you know, you're pushing through these, these huge vines, you know, and I'm watching them. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, they're not seeing it. So I had them close their eyes and kind of do uh, interpretive movement with their eyes closed. And the problem is, these children are so used to watching each other that they're not listening and taking direction. They're just watching what, you know, Becky's doing or what Susie's doing and they're emulating it instead of honing in on their own person, on their own mind, on their own body, on their own soul and being connected to themselves and just taking the, the simple direction of walking forward, lifting your arm, anything like that. So that's really where that kind of comes into play. And I think you can use that in anything that you do. And um, whether you're a child or an adult, you know, we get so wrapped up in not understanding um, where our own mind is at, that uh, we're watching TV, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on the internet, you know, we're losing connection to ourselves, we're losing connection to people. So I really find it important to bring it back to the basics, your mind, your body and your soul. I absolutely loved how you described that process that you take your students through. And I feel that a lot of that is missing in most of the dance classes, at least in my experience, it's been lately where I've just realized, you know, uh, these teachers, you know, bless them, they're trying to do the best that they can, but they're teaching more at you as opposed to teaching to you and not involving all the other things that involve dance, because it is more than just movement. It is more than just choreography. I loved how you talked about being a visual sponge and what you went through and the examples that you gave. So thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. I love that you combine cinema, fashion, and charity into your business. 
Can you give us some more details on this and why you decided to incorporate these as opposed to just having a quote unquote standard dance studio? Of course. Um, well, dance and cinema really go hand in hand. I mean, you go back to the 60s and the 50s and the 40s. I mean, you look at Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire. Dance and cinema really are one. They go together and they are combined. Um, and, you know, the new wave with uh, media and, and Instagram and YouTube sensations, you know, I think it's really important important to teach kids on acting skills. Um, It's really important to show them how to play up to the camera, how they blend, how, you know, this is why the position's here because this is, you know, the camera goes here. Just kind of really bridging that gap, you know, and helping them understand that dance and cinema, you know, there are so many opportunities in the dance community that, you know, it's, it's important to be versed. The fashion really comes in, uh, for me, I think that's like a little personal niche. I spent a lot of time in New York working in fashion. Like I completely actually left dance for a little bit and just immersed myself into the fashion world. And so I find that dance and fashion go hand in hand. You know, you watch all these pop stars and uh, TV and film, and they're really trying to push you know, what's cutting edge, what's new, what's current moving forward. So whether, you know, you're picking up from, you know, your disco seventies or you're picking up from Justin Bieber, it's all moving forward in a progressive manner. So I really try to keep it current. You know, the charity really comes in from um, an inspiration I got from a friend of mine named Cami Marcier, who is the founder of Halo. Uh, every year she has a benefit in which I perform in. I've been so lucky to be a part of, as well as bringing some kids to perform in the show. It's a dance benefit uh, called Dance for Halo, and it benefits children with autism in the areas and supplies them with uh, fundamental tools that they need to overcome autism. So I, I just really felt that the community of Chino Hills needed something that was different, something that we could teach our our children, our you know environment, our community that dance can do more than just self you know, self-promote on Instagram. Dance can really give back. So how can we be a part of things? Uh, This year already, we were fortunate enough to help a little girl named Monroe who's receiving uh, treatment for stage four cancer in New York right now. She's actually a friend of one of the children that I teach her father. Uh, They golf together and he said, you know, we're doing this. I said, okay, you know, why don't we, you know, donate six months of unlimited tuition and auction it off. You know, through that entire organization, I think they uh, raised $40,000 for her in one day. We also did Dance for Paloma. A friend of mine I grew up dancing with, her child has a rare heart condition and she needed an immediate heart surgery in Boston. They flew, you know, red-eyed to Boston with her child and through dance, uh, a whole massive group of teachers got together. It's still going on right now. And they all taught master classes and everybody donated their money and time to raise money for Paloma. So I just really find it important that we teach kids that, you know, we live in these great houses and we have these great families and we get to go to dance class and compete and win national titles. But at the same time, what are we doing for other people? How can we help other people while still doing what we're doing? So it just really coincides. And I think it's a great great thing to teach anybody from a child to an adult and that anybody can participate in any of the events that we promote. You know, it's not just the House of Royals. It's for everybody. Charity is for everybody. It's it doesn't seclude one person. I love that. I when I was reading about what you guys have done charity wise, I thought what a great example that you're setting for those for the kids. Well, for the kids, 
like you said, for the kids and the adults, that it just extends more than just going to competitions and taking class, but also being really thankful that we have the opportunity to do such, you know? Right, right. So I think, I think it's awesome that you're combining all these things together. It's just great. Your programs are very specific in terms of your demographic. And I want to know why you structured your programs as such, as opposed to places that have all these open level classes that try to cater to everybody at one time. What was your um, your your thinking and how did you plan all your structuring of your programs? Well, it started with um, the thought process. How I usually teach my uh, style classes is that I really let anybody try, whether you're a beginner or an advanced level. They're just it's an open class, and anybody can take you know, the class, it doesn't matter if you've had 15 years experience or one, it's just kind of, I throw you in there and, you know, you either sink or swim. Um, it's not a technical class, but there are technical movements. Um, it's more of like an artistic choreography based class where you just can kind of explore. And that really comes from taking class in Los Angeles at the edge. When I was 13, I started going there a lot and just realizing that, you know, yes, competition classes are great. Yes. You know, we need to focus on technique, but at the same time, I need to explore other, other choreographers. I need to see what they're doing. I need to feel different in each class, whether I'm the youngest or the oldest, it kind of just, you take class, you take class for yourself. You don't take class for anybody else. So I wanted to gear the programs for anybody to learn. And, you know, we have a couple different divisions. We have a Princess uh, Academy, which is for children ages 24 months to the ages of three that just, you know, helps them develop fundamental skills in learning dance and music and how they combined. And then we get into our pre-professional program, which uh, are classes for anybody between the beginning and intermediate level of dance who may just need to, you know, clean up their technique or they just want to learn, you know, some really cool hip hop that we have, whatever it may be, we offer those classes for them in a non-competitive environment. But we do also have our competitive team, which is called the Royals. They will be debuting this year, which is really exciting for us. They are a competitive team built from the ages of seven to 18. And, you know, these are kids that are really interested in working in the industry, that are really interested in furthering their careers in dance, that really dedicate a lot of their time and their lives to dance. Uh, we also have adult classes that anybody can sign up for and take that, you know, I have a lot of friends. I'm, I'm reaching that age where all my friends are having kids and their kids are starting to dance, but we all grew up dancing. And so it's, it's important that you continue to take class and stay active. So I just kind of try to, um, without, necessarily specifying where each person goes, we cater to a, a large variety of people. I think that's great that you that you do that. And then you you recognize that there's a need. Each demographic has different needs. Of like course. you said, you know, the competition students as opposed to ones that are just trying to start out and those that are just like you said, that are maybe a little bit older. So I, but the cool thing about that is that you realize dance is still for everyone for where, whatever stage you are in your life. It, it doesn't have to stop, which I'm finding this is very, very exciting. What has been the most rewarding aspect of starting the House of Royals and also the most challenging? Well, I would have to say the most rewarding part is a I hate saying a sense of self, but a sense of almost working for yourself. Even though I'm working for so many people, 
in the sense of giving back. The most rewarding part has really been just giving back and, and working with children, uh, working with kids and sculpting their minds and uh, guiding them through life. Not, you know, dance is so much more than we just learn steps. I mean, you really learn fundamental skills and how to deal with people. You know, we talk about relationships, we talk about bullying, we talk about what they're, you know, every day they come in and I ask them, oh, how was school? And they tell me, I mean, from start to finish, what happened? What, they had a substitute, this, that, you know, so-and-so, you know, got in trouble, this and that. So it's just, you know, I find that in the most rewarding process for me is just talking, talking to people and, and being able to communicate to children and, and just talking to them. The hardest part of entering into this journey of my life, I guess would have to say waiting on people uh, <laughs> uh, in, in the business retrospect, like just waiting on, you know, Waiting on people. I'm not a person who really likes to wait. It's something that I have, I've really had to work on right now is just patience and, you know, working with the lease agreements and, you know, anything that you start a brand new business on, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. That's been the most frustrating part is really just waiting on people. What has been interesting about your dynamic with your relationship with the students as and with the parents, especially with the whole competition scene. And, you know, there's so much going on. There's so much you have to juggle. How do you handle all that? Because I know that's not smooth either, right? There, That comes with its challenges as well, of course. You know, I, I don't know if it's a negative or a positive thing I'm going to tell you right now. I'm a really stern person and I really am a no BS type of person. I kind of have one ship that sails and it, you either get on or you get off. I don't really take people's attitudes. I don't kind of deal with the negative that is in competition world, which really is a reason why I try to avoid it. But I find it necessary for kids as exposure and, you know, a great way of learning. But you know, I've made some really great connections with people and their children. And it's it's a really awesome thing to be involved in somebody's life from the time that they are five to even seven and just watching them develop as a human, as a child, and, you know, watching parents parent their kids. I really learn a lot from that um, and how to communicate with people, how not to communicate with people. So, you just kind of have to really just pick and choose your battles in life and what's really important. What is my ultimate goal? You know, for instance, I had an issue come up with a parent who was really upset and I just kind of stood back and, and watched her be upset. And then she kind of left. And then, you know, an hour later I talked to her on the phone and it was like a 360. She had completely come around. It was like a different person. So I realized that sometimes in life, when people come at you, they aren't really coming at you because of you. It has so much more to do with their outside life, their personal life, their work life, you know. So I really just try to pick and choose my battles, to be honest. That probably saves you a lot of heartache. And plus, you don't have time to deal with. You have all the stuff going on, so you don't really have time <laughs> to deal with all that unnecessary drama. Yeah, I get that. When you said that, I thought, yeah, I get that about him. I, I, I can tell. he's He is uh, focused and intentional and means business. So I think that's awesome. Good, good. I mean, <laughs> I, think it, I think it scares people sometimes because for a long time, like I'll, I'll go through a stage throughout the year where I really just kind of stay quiet and I don't really talk a lot because I'm so focused on um, creating like dances and pieces and so many things are going on. I mean, in a given year, I can choreograph up to like 75 pieces, which is a lot, a lot of choreography. It's a lot of brain process. And, you know, 
you have to be so many different people to so many different people. I have to be a business person. I have to be an artist. I have to be a choreographer. I have to be a dancer. I have to be a teacher. Even though they are all part of me, I have to, you know, separate my brain in the process of thought, which is, it, it can be overcome some sometimes. Yeah, they all require something different from you. And like you said, dealing with different types of people, it, it requires something different from you each time. So right. yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> We're going to go over some quick questions, which I call the dancepreneur in quick steps. So you just have to tell me what comes to your mind immediately. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. The dance style you haven't tried, but would like to and why? I would have to say any type of world dance that's related to like India. Um, as a child, I would watch the Bollywood channel for hours and just the way they would move their arms and they would dance and sing. And I don't know, it just, it fascinated me. The colors, the jewelry, the women, the men, it was very just, it, I guess it was showy. And I just, mm -hmm. I fell in love with it as a child. I would watch that channel for hours. <laughs> Favorite dancer and why? Well, this is hard. I'm going to have to give you two different dancers, male and female. Okay. Um, my favorite male dancer would have to be Gene Kelly. He was the first male dancer I remember watching. I remember Sound of Music, buying the cassette tape and listening to it over and over and the tap sounds. So Gene Kelly, just hands down, was my favorite male dancer. And then my female favorite dancer, it's really hard to narrow it down, but I would have to say Emma Keckney, who... Uh, really stole my heart when I found her in Chorus Line or um, Promises, Promises, when she dances in Turkey Lurkey, or Anne Ranking, who is, oh, yes. you know, a Fosse legend. I just, I can't, it has something to do with a leotard and long legs and just being able to hit those lines. I'm just like, I just want to be you. I want to be you. It's so, beautiful when it you see it. It's just, it's beautiful. All that, that, yeah, I agree. Dance style that currently describes your day and why? Oh, well, right now it would have to be whacking because <laughs> <laughs> everything that happens just comes at when, when you start something brand new, things just fly at you and you kind of have to shoo them away with those whacking arms. So definitely whacking. Oh, my gosh. I think you're the first person that says whacking. <laughs> <laughs> if people want to connect with you or the House of Royals, where can they find you? If people would like to connect with me, they can reach me at Ricky Royal on Instagram or Ricky Alvarez on Facebook. The House of Royals can be reached at www.thehouseofroyals.com. Uh, the House of Royals is also on Instagram and Twitter under The House of Royals. And you can email us at houseofroyals at gmail.com. And just to let you guys know, I'm going to link all this information in the show notes. And house is spelled H-A-U-S. So I want to make sure that you guys are able to find Ricky or the House of Royals. Ricky, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your creative genius. And I'm so excited to see where you and your business go. I know it's going to be awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, question me. It was awesome. <laughs> this is you know, it's something new, like, you know, it, and it's exciting. So I'm really excited to be a part of your podcast. Thank Great. you. Great. Thank you. What other art form or medium do you like to see dance combined with? I would love to get your thoughts at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 053, where you can also find the show notes to this session. And if you found this podcast helpful in any way, I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you do it in iTunes, 
go through the Apple Native Podcast app, and that way I can continue getting the word out about the podcast and also give you a shout out on a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. In the meantime, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.